All right. Welcome in to a Friday, nearly to the weekend edition of the Sports Tunnel. SEMO ESPN, you can find us at 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, and online at com. Eric Sean and the Missouri Sports Hall of Famer Jess Bolin inviting you to join us right here in the huddle. Here's our EBOMD huddle hotline number 573-334-1220. 573-334-1220. The huddle hotline is powered by EBO. MD Jess Bolton in the house. Uh, originally, we were slated to get on the bus and pull out of Cape Girardeau, headed to Fort Wayne, Indiana, for SEMO basketball at 8 a.m. Jess, I got a message yesterday. Hey, we have changed up the itinerary. We're going to practice uh, at the Show Me Center and then pull out at 1 o'clock. So it didn't look like we were going to have a sports huddle today, but here we are. You know how one decision affects other people? Just like it's a wonderful life, if you want to know how one life, it, you know, gets into other people's and has an impact. Well, I was ha- that on my way to Texas when you emailed me or texted me that we had a show. And down completely past Memphis. And I turned around and came back just to do this show. And be sure that your fan club gets to hear you that is on this show. Dedicated move right there. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lie. <laughs> that is a as a team team playing move right there. <laughs> no, I would not have turned around because this was supposed to be a day we weren't doing the show. But that, it's okay. I mean, um, our nineteen listeners deserve to hear what we have to say about Soto being traded to the Yankees. <clears throat> or any other thing going on in sports, I'd like to hear what they want to know. You know, if we know know it, you can look it up, you know, on the computer. But this show is for them, not for us. And um, I do appreciate all our 19 listeners. But I'm ready to go. I'm fired up. I'm just, not sure I'm ready to go. Just I, give me a I question. Planned. Uh Six-and-a-half-hour bus ride today, Jess, for me. Your thoughts on six-and-a-half-hour bus rides? They're out of my future. <laughs> but you know what? How far do you think it is to send Antonio, Texas? If I went down there, I would drive. But I wouldn't do it. try to do it in one day. I think it's 1,100 miles. Long drive. Does that sound right? No, maybe not that much. Uh, maybe 900 miles, something in that neighborhood, which means to average 50 miles an hour, you know, which it's hard to average that much more when you stop and think about stopping and eating, stopping and getting gas. You're talking about a if long you, trip. If you have... Uh... A bladder the size of a ferret, then you have to make a few extra stops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we went to Florida one time, and my uh, second youngest, Michelle, had to stop at every exit, it seemed like, to try their bathroom out. We couldn't get 50 miles, you know. I got to go. <laughs> there we'd pull off another exit. I said, at this rate, we'll get to Florida in three days. From somebody who has been 
traveling around with uh, college sports for, I don't know, 24, 20, yeah, 24 years. And, you know, I ride the bus more now than I used to, but still there are plenty of trips that I drive. I've driven, you know. Oh, well, you and I used to drive to almost all of them except the real long ones. Just hundreds. Remember, we'd go to Martin. We'd go together to Murray. We'd go together to Eastern Illinois, maybe. Hundreds of road trips considering all the sports all year round. Let me give you a traveling tip. When you are traveling and you want a clean restroom, hotels these days all have, you know, newer hotels, they all have restrooms just off the lobby. Yeah, yeah. You cannot find a cleaner restroom anywhere than a hotel. Well, it's clean daily, maybe twice. And they're not inviting people in. To use their restrooms. Yeah, but they don't know that you're not. They uh, don't challenge you when you walk in the they lobby. They don't know that you don't stay there. Exactly. Yeah. So when I am traveling, I stop at a newer hotel, and usually there are three or four on many exits because you're traveling a fairly busy road, and whatever kind of business you need to take care of in the restroom. Well, you, uh, let's don't go you, that wild here. You cannot find a cleaner You've made your point. More sanitary restroom. They keep those things sparkling. They have full housekeeping services, and those things are Yeah, clean. I would say they, you know, if they're, if they're heavy volume as far as people staying there, they would clean it twice. Most good hotels, motels, it, it, they will clean the bathroom twice or whatever it takes. Now, I know technically that's not an open invitation from hotels, but... Considering over the years some of the restrooms that I've been in in gas stations, oh I, wow! I, I, I know yeah. I no longer factor that into my travel plans. Let me put it that way. And, and and I think not to designate some people as trailer trash, but I think we. I was in the bathroom at a station one time. And the stalls didn't have any doors or anything. And this young girl comes in there. It looks like she's 25, maybe 22 in that neighborhood. And I said, whoa, ma'am. I said, this is a man. She said, I don't care. That's fine. And said, I'm beside of me in her stall. <laughs> wow, what's this world coming to? What is going but that's on? a gas station. And, you know, you're exactly right about the hotels that they do have unbelievable hygiene as far as taking care of their bathroom they are super cleanly so just a traveling but tip. you can't drive up there with a big bus of ball players and get by with it no <laughs> no that that, w- that might be a little uh a little fishy anyway i uh, don't miss those bus just rides. the ishan travel tip here to start the show you know i i don't miss those bus rides really i mean i started doing games for semo in 96 i think it was and the first year that Hogan was managing, we didn't have a bus like you ride in. We didn't have, we had vans, a couple of vans. And so they'd load them down. And I remember the first trip I made to Murray, Kentucky, it was me and Hogan and the sports information director riding together in his car. That was it. That's how, that's how we traveled. And boy, they've come a long ways with travel now in, in college. Of course, a lot of JUCO teams still 
traveled in a couple 15-passenger vans, and a lot of it's because of finances. You know, they just don't have the money to take a big husky trailways cruiser, you know, that kind of stuff. And But I couldn't ride a bus. I'd get off and couldn't hardly walk with groin injury. I, I couldn't, there's no way I could sit in a bus and not do that. I even tried, you know, taking two seats like you and I both did. And nobody sitting beside of me. I'd even lay at an angle and put my feet out in the aisle. <laughs> Still, we stopped, stopped to get snacks and had to hold, kind of walk in like you got one leg that doesn't bend at the knee. Well, but Don, anyway, we're getting off the Don, Don path Sean here. and I were enjoying a movie last night in the living room, and I had my iPad out, and I was downloading a few movies and TV shows for this particular trip, yeah. six and a half hours there, well, six and a half hours back. So I got 13 hours to kill Is on the Die bus. Hard one of them? No, I don't have Die Hard on there yet. We're going to Illinois State prior to Christmas. Die Hard will be on there. Yeah, what uh, what movie is going to be your number one to going to Fort Wayne? Uh, I downloaded a movie that I saw a long time ago that is very, very good. Um, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Val Kilmer, Heat. You ever seen it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I have not it seen it so long, in a long time, and I was surfing yeah. around looking at what movies I was going to download. And I watched the trailer, and like, man, I forgot how good this movie yeah, is. Yeah, it is. And then I've got several. Uh, you don't have anything like The Natural or The Field of Dreams or Love of the Game. You don't have any kind of movie like that. I've got all those movies on my 61. iPad. 61. Yeah. You know, I can watch 61 every once in a while. That was really good acting. And I got some new movies from Netflix that I'm going to check out. And there's this series on Paramount Plus now. It's called Lawman Bass Reeves, and it is a new series, and I think they've got they've had six episodes so far. It is really good, so I'm looking forward to look, uh, watching the new episode of that. You know, you and I both, I think, if, if you, you wanted to qualify somebody as a, a, a novice or an expert or whatever, would almost qualify as experts, both of us, on Seinfeld. Wouldn't you say that be yes. accurate statement? Yes. I'm going to ask you a trivia question about Seinfeld and try not trying to trick you here or nothing and embarrass you or put you out there, you know, in front of everybody. But do you have a clue what George Costanza's middle name is? And I didn't know it, but I just saw it. I watched a few episodes, and it was on there. His middle name. You don't know his middle name. He's just like Cosmo Kramer. You know, we nobody knew what that was until, what, halfway through the series. His middle name is Lewis. George Lewis Costanza. Yeah, okay. and I that think, may, yeah, I think it, that rings a bell. It came up in uh, one of them. You remember with the income tax audit by Jerry, for Jerry? And they had this woman that George was dating, and she had those chopsticks in her hair <laughs> What is it, Patty Mache or Paper Mache or something like this? And George went crazy, called her contentious. She wound up in a mental home. That was the one that I think he said George Lewis Costanza. But there's I, a lot of things in there. It's just like Elaine's sister is brought up one time. And where did she live? 
You remember they would go to the airport? She got picked her up from the airport. She lived Cleveland? in St. Louis. St. Louis. So, so there is things I know we, George Costanza's secret ATM passcode. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. Bosco. Bosco, yeah. So, I, go ahead. I, I don't. There's a lot of things that you could get us on on Seinfeld, no question, you know, because gosh, it went in for nine or ten years. But most of the places, if you put me and you in a room, one of us could come we're up ga- with almost everything you wanted to ask. We're going to get it. Yeah, and um, what a series that was. I think it was the greatest sitcom I ever saw, and uh, it was TV Guide, I think it was, that voted the Seinfeld series as the best ever. They did. And I just uh, totally agree with it. And, you know, uh, the people that watch it one time, they'll tell me, I don't like it that much. I said, you need to watch two or three episodes. Because this show digs into everything. Anything that ever happened to you, whether you're waiting in a restaurant, somebody goes in before you, or you argue at the gas pump, or get fired on a, you know, whatever you want to watch. Alcoholism, you know, um, with a guy was on the wagon and didn't know if it was that man that you quit, or off the wagon and mentioned George and Jerry. Everything that's ever happened to you happens on that show. And it's funny. And the four characters on that show with Richards and Seinfeld and Elaine Bennis on that show, which, you know, uh, George. At one time, I kind of thought any one of those could be the funniest on the show. So, and I know Friends is a very, very popular series also, and I like it too. There are some be- that believe that the greatest sitcom ever, it was revolutionary when it came out, and it's apropos because the great Norman Lear no, just, passed, just passed away yesterday <clears throat> at age 101, and All in the Family at its peak on Saturday, I used to watch that. On Saturday nights, right. they would routinely draw an audience of 50 million well, you know why viewers. it was it was a, a show that broke the barriers as far as what people actually thought and putting it on the air it was uh, no one was, had ever talked about social issues yeah Archie those was types. a racist yes he was and they had Sammy Davis jr on it one time and you remember Sammy Davis kissed him kissed him on the cheek <laughs> and it it got into politics and that show got into a lot of things. Everything, too. yeah. It would not have flown as well as it did. Now Gene Stapleton was great, Rob Reiner was great, but without Carol O'Connor, no, as Archie he was, Bunker. Yeah, he was the best. And some of that. the Norman Lear shows that you would recognize, other than All in the Family, spinoffs. There were two spinoffs of that show: The Jeffersons and Maud. Yeah. Uh, Norman Lear, Sanford and Son, Good Times, One Day at a Time. I mean, you just go right down the list of some of the uh, different strokes. My brother and I used to watch that when we were a little. Uh, he was fantastic. He Norman didn't have Lear. his hand in Golden Girls, did he? Uh, no. That was a popular show, too. But, you know, Saturday night had the Defenders with E.G. Marshall on and Gunsmoke, Paladin. 
all kinds of westerns Saturday night. But prior to All in the Family, it was that. It was the lighthearted stuff. I love Lucy, Honeymooners, that stuff. And westerns. All the westerns you just mentioned, and there were many more. Bonanza, Ponderosa. And Lear came out with All in the Family, and programming changed after that. Yeah, and I remember Friday nights you could watch Twilight Zone, and uh, it, it was um, that was an unbelievable show. It was great. So, the passing of the great Norman Lear. Oh, uh, one hundred and one years old. One hundred and one. I mean, gosh, he was around a while. Born in nineteen twenty-two. So, Simo. Men's basketball heading to Purdue-Fort Wayne, Jess. This is a Mastodons team uh, in the Horizon League. They are 9-1. and one. They have cracked the mid-major top 25 poll. I think they're at number 21. They're 9-1, and one, and they are having a marvelous season, and they are shooting the three. They are averaging 10 made threes per basketball game, and they're shooting them at a 39% clip. Well, the team that just came, Aristotle, was averaging nine threes a game, and that didn't work out. I think the key to Southeast right now, for me in a way, is just an opinion, is defense. You know, defense is something that I think with a bunch of new faces that you can develop that. And it's just like baseball. Good pitching will keep you in the game. And allow you to have a chance to win. Well, defense is that way in all sports. Um, what I saw the other day is Southeast was shooting the ball from the outside very, very well. That was their best shooting game behind the and I three. remember remarking on the broadcast, if they would shoot like this against Fort Wayne, now you're not going to get the open shots they were getting the other day against no. Stowe. Not no. near as many, but still they shot a good percentage. They hit so many threes, not a lot of free throws, but you don't get many free throws when you, you know, you don't go into paint much. But I was impressed with their shooting the other day, and, and hopefully if that hangs on, Southeast will have a chance. Going in, they got to be big underdogs against this team. But you know what? That's why they play the games. Sometimes... Snake jumps up and bites you. One of the things that Purdue Fort Wayne does very well, they are holding opposing teams to twenty nine percent from behind the three point. There you are. You know that's why I say they're not going to shot making threes yeah. at a high percentage, and their defense is forcing on average eighteen turnovers a game. Eighteen. Wow. That tells me a lot. They right average, it's kind of they what I was average about. under 10 turnovers per game themselves. Yeah, sounds like a very fundamentally sound team. And uh, like I said, Southeast will be underdogs, no question. For one thing, it's on the road, and it's another thing is you're playing a team of your caliber or better as far as talent. And so, yeah, it'll be a struggle for Southeast to win. Uh, if Southeast wins, I think it'd be a close game, three points or less. If Fort Wayne wins, it could be by 20. That's the way I look at this game. You see it any different than that? No. That's kind of the way I, you know, and going by, you got to go by what you've seen so far. 
and I've only done two games with you, home games. You've seen them all. But it's a team that when you got a, you know, quite a few new faces, especially at point guard and that kind of thing, it's so important to talk about this a lot, but communication on the court, assumptions of what somebody's going to do. Once you get 15 games under your belt, you kind of, you know, these point guards know what somebody do by eye contact or he can direct a person to move around and maybe move on the baseline. All these kind of things is because you play a lot together. And Southeast is in that situation where they should get better as the year goes on. We'll, just, we'll see. But they got some real speed and quickness on that team. And that's conducive to having a good defensive team. When you got guys that can really move around, really jump quick down the floor. Um, but they need to shoot a better percentage for the year. And they show signs of that at home. They were really pretty deadly the other night, the other day, when the game started. Well, it's dark when they played because you can't have a game at you could have a game at five right now, and I think it'd be dark. Do you like this time like this, or do you like daylight saving? No. You don't like this? I don't like it getting dark before around. I'd rather have daylight saving time year-round. Between 4.30 and 5. Year-round. And, you know, that was kind of up for a vote, wasn't it? To have one uh, time that you don't go back and forth. Does everybody in the nation do that on on uh No. It's just the Midwest. I I don't know. It's a good question for an, get an answer. Opposing teams are shooting 42% <laughs> from the floor against Purdue Fort Wayne. The one place that they are vulnerable and you know taking the ball away. I said they're forcing 18 turnovers a game. Well, 10 of those are coming on steals. They're averaging 10 steals per game. But they they are a minus three (coughs) rebounding team. Now, the Red Hawks have not been a great rebounding team, but it appears that Fort Wayne is potentially vulnerable on the glass. Well, that is a big issue, you know, if you get out rebound. Now, if you get out an average of, say, one rebound a game – it's probably not a factor, but if you're getting out-rebounded by four or more each game, that could, uh, in close games, that could uh, be the difference between winning and losing. Looks like they're averaging about 1,500 per game, so it's not going to be a Grand Canyon situation where you know they've got yeah. this massive crowd. So it's, it's going to be a, a very so tough game. Not- they're probably not averaging as much as Southeast, are they? Southeast average you want about two to twenty five hundred? No. They don't average that much? No. All I have to give you the attendance. Well but I'm gonna say it's around a thousand. <clears throat> Let's see. Red Hawks are averaging twelve hundred. So far. Start winning a few more games, that'll that number goes up. Sure. 
bottom line is people like to see a winner. And another thing, too, what they've averaged so far this year has not been Fort Wayne. It's not been Moorhead, Kentucky, or th- games like that. The tennis will go up when they get an OVC play, you know. And I don't know how much, but it will go up, especially if they're competing. You know, they're either winning or they're playing competitive basketball and maybe lose some tight games at the end where it's very entertaining games. They should go up, don't you think? Three or 400 at least. I know a lot of people that won't go to the Harris-Stowe game. You know, they just won't. Mo Bab games, they won't, just won't go. But you see them there when the season gets a little deeper. Conference play. So one thing with SEMO, and, you know, we're also factoring in the non-Division One games. They've had two of those. But SEMO in the first half of games is being outscored by 73 points. But they're outscoring their opponents by 13 in the second half, so they are falling behind. And I think in all of their games except the um, – Two non-Division One opponents, they've been down double figures in all of those. Even the Central Arkansas game that they won, they were down 12 in rallies. Now, when's this game southeast against Fort Wayne? When is Six it? o'clock tomorrow night. Six o'clock tomorrow night. Just so, folks, if it, they could get off to better starts yes, in these games. And if you want to see a good basketball team, I would recommend you got ESPN+. Plus. If you don't, just get it. It's not very expensive. And you can watch Southeast play that game and... You get basically all the games, don't you? I mean, there's not very many games that ESPN Plus doesn't cover. And it's a chance to see what Southeast does against a competitive team, a real good team, 9-1 record. I'll be watching. There's a lot of things going on Saturday that I'll either be taping or watching. And that's Missouri against Kansas. Southeast against Fort Wayne, and then the Blues play Saturday night also. Blues got uh, self-inflicted wound after self-inflicted wound against Las Vegas on Wednesday night. The you second hate to lose game, the game in one period, home and home. You know. You hate to lose the game in one period. They scored four, I think, second period. Four goals in the second period. But the Blues scored it. three in the first period. So Vegas might have felt that way, too. You know, we don't want to lose the game right at the beginning. But Vegas came back very strong and showed you why they are. But you knew they would. They were going to yeah, be breathing yeah. fire after losing on home ice to the Blues. Yes, I agree. That, And the Cardinals are rumored, at least, to be in the chase for Dylan Cease. And they had uh, some of the names on the Cardinals that would possibly be offered in top-notch minor leaguers. What's the guy they got from Texas? that Gaisi, something like that. Sagisi. And Tink and Crisevelo or whatever his name is. Gordon Graceffo. So they they've offered some real top notch prospects. And may MLB or I don't know where I saw this, 
But they, they mentioned Nolan Gorman in that trade. I really hate to see Nolan Gorman go. I'd rather give you up that talent in double-A or triple-A and keep Gorman if I could because there's a potential 30, 35 home run guy. And I think Cardinals need that left-handed bat in, you know, in the batting order, whether it's dh or what. But I'd like to see Dylan, I'd like to see Cease in the Cardinals. I don't Cardinal care if rotation. it's left-handed or right-handed. He's a thirty home run guy. He may be a thirty-five home run guy. Well, see, if if his bat, yeah, uh, I'm sorry, if his back, yes, holds up. Cease would look good in a Cardinal uniform, though. I think if you got him, I just I think the Cardinals would be okay in their rotation. Maybe still need a little help in the bullpen. But I think you could pick up some good bullpen guys as the winter goes on. And you get an idea of there's not been a lot of player movement yet. And the Yankees got their guy in Soto. Now, evidently, they gave up some outstanding prospects also. And then he's a one-year rental. Of course, with the Yankees' money and if they want him, he'll be a he'll yeah, be a Yankee. Yeah, with all the privileges of being in New York, I think good chance he'll stay there. That's pretty good one too with Judge and Soto, don't you think? One righty, one lefty. They'll bat back to back. I'm pretty sure. Maybe Soto batting ahead of Judge. So the Yankees really helped themselves with that deal. But I still think cars need another top-notch starter. John Morosi of MLB Network, among other outlets, reporting that Shohei Otani could make his decision as early as today. Ooh. Now, I don't know if these guys are held accountable for some of their reporting. I mean, John Heyman had the famous tweet two years ago uh, that arson judge appears headed to the Giants. Arson. <laughs> they, they, he spelled it wrong because he was trying to get it out there so quick, and, it, you know, I, he didn't go to the Giants. But people screenshot that tweet and throw it on his timeline from, <laughs> from time to time. But John Morosi says, source, Shohei Otani's decision is imminent, possibly as early as today. To L.A., probably. Well. The Yankees won't be in that deal now. I don't believe. Do you after? The Yankees have not been linked to Otani. After money they gave Judge. According to Morosi, the Dodgers, Blue Jays, Giants, Angels, Cubs are thought to be the clubs still involved in the bidding for I wouldn't, Otani. I wouldn't eliminate the Cubs very quick because the Cubs missed out on the playoffs, what, by one game? It had to be one or two games at, at the most. Yes, because they lost seven yeah. games to the Arizona Diamondbacks. So, I could, you know, I could see the, ju- the Cubs, there you go with the words, I can see the Cubs getting him. That would be a shocker to a lot of baseball people, but it wouldn't to me. There's zero chance the Cubs get him. 
Well, I don't Speaking think he'll go to the Cubs either. Cubs I think fan, he'll go to the Dodgers. I think there's no chance for the I think Cubs. he will go to the L.A. Dodgers, period. But I might be wrong. I'm wrong a lot. Do you ever admit you're wrong? I would be stunned if he went to Toronto. Although all of the people that are digging in to the story about him meeting with the Jays completely and thoroughly believe that the Blue Jays are legitimate contenders to sign him. Yeah, I know. They come up all the time in the conversation, so I don't... And if I would I wouldn't be, be surprised if they went to the Blue Jays or the Dodgers or the Giants. Uh, I think... I think the Giants are a very real possibility. I do, too. I really do, because... They know the Dodgers, at least in regular season, have been better than them for a long time. I, I mean, the Dodgers won 10 straight titles. I think it's 9 out of 10. Two years yeah, ago, I think the Giants, the won, Giants had that one good year, didn't 107 they? wins to yeah. 106 wins. Yeah, so they won the division, but just by one game. And the Dodgers won the other nine last 10 years. So I think the Giants would like to catch up. If they push Otani in that lineup, I think the Giants would be a bona fide threat to the Dodgers then as far as winning the division. Now, you're going to have, they had it on the other day that 17% of whichever team it was trying to get him, they had it on the board in the MLB. 17% of your total package for your big league team was would be going to Otani. And that's quite a bit for one guy. And I remember DeRosa saying, on MLB, that he didn't think he could do it, put that much money in one guy. He'd rather spread it out with two or three other good, really good players. So it's just a matter of your desire to have a superstar in your lineup. And, buddy, there is no better superstar than him, Otani. But right now, I think it's a good time for MLB or Major League Baseball to get a little of the spotlight. And they did yesterday, you know, and with a Soto. But there's going to be some other big names, Otani and some other guys that's going to roll out there too. Now, C said I was talking about the pitcher from the White Sox. He, the, whoever gets him will get two years of obligation on his contract. So it's not a one-year rental you will get two years out of him if you trade for him. But you're going to have to give up some talent. The cars with that, I would say that, uh, I think, what's Tink? Is that a Tink what? Tink Hence. Tink Hence, yes. I think they'll have to give him up. And I think he is number two prospect in their minor league system. And I think Segisi will is number seven. And I think Graceffo or whatever his name is, I'm probably stumbling. Gordon Graceffo. He is probably number nine. So if you give three of your top ten prospects, that may get him. And wouldn't you do that? I would. I'd make those that trade because Cardinals with Arnado and Goldsmith, their clock is running on their careers. But right now with those guys and other talent you got on the field – you could win 
real big if you put Cease in that rotation. And, you know, the, the, we don't ever talk about it, but <clears throat> Lance Lynn could go to the bullpen. <clears throat> you know, that's where he started his career with the Cardinals. Or Steven Matz could go to the yeah. bullpen. Yeah, Matz was good out of the bullpen. You remember? He'd come in for one inning and air it out for 97 miles an hour. It's a different game out of the bullpen. And you, you can't have, have too much pitching. Not for me. I remember times on my team, I'd have 12 pitchers. And when you play six games a week like we did, you can you can keep all of them working. In big leagues right now, most of them carry 13 pitchers, don't they? Since they added that extra man, went up to 26 people in the dugout, they added that as a pitcher. And the cards still came up short. So the most coveted pitcher on the market is Yoshi Yamamoto. And Steve Cohen, who has vastly much more money than any owner in Major League Baseball, went to Japan and had dinner with Yamamoto. Yamamoto is coming to the U.S., and on Monday, he is set to meet with the Yankees. And those that are following it closely believe it's Mets versus Yankees. Now, in the 90s, the Yankees would get him. Mm -hmm. Because I've heard Steve Phillips talk about on MLB Network and MLB Network Radio, when he was a general manager of the New York Mets. And they got into a bidding war with the New York Yankees. The ownership of the Mets told him pull out because George Steinbrenner would not be stopped. He would not be outbid, especially by the New York Mets. Times have changed. Hal Steinbrenner is not his father, George Steinbrenner. And Cohen will not be outbid by the New York Yankees. So if you were laying odds on who's going to get Yamamoto here, if it is truly between the Mets and the Yankees, 90-10 in my mind, it's Mets. Well, I don't know about that. 90-10, that's 9 out of 10. That's pretty high odds. I just, he's not going to get outbid by... The New York Yankees. But I don't think the Yankees might go for him just because they spent so much. They're going to try to spend so much to keep Soto after this coming year. And they I spent think, so much I think on they're Judge. going to have to pay him $32 million this year. That's it. I mean, that's a lot. Who? Soto. That's what he is Gosh, due. Is he up to that level already? That's what he is due this year. Well, it's going to be more than that then. He had 35 home runs this year. And then next year, if he hits 30, 35, 40 home runs. And he His will. price is going up. When are we ever going to get to a ceiling? No, there are people that believe that Soto, with Boris as his agent, with another big year at Yankee Stadium, is going to be a four fifty to five hundred million dollar guy. Those are just numbers that are thrown out. You got to see it. Pretty soon, you're going to have to be owned by Warren Buffett or or Elon Musk to be able to compete. That's the kind of money that <laughs> Cohn has for the. We well, don't Yankees. have as much as Musk. Musk is the richest man in the world, I think. And one other caveat going 
for the New York Mets is Kodai Senga, the Japanese pitcher <clears throat> that had a really good year for the Mets, is great friends with Yamamoto. Well, I think Newt Barr's a friend of those guys, too, but um, money talks, and you know what else walks. But I think the if I were the Cubs, for instance, I would try to keep Bellinger. That would be probably a high priority for me. The year he had for the Cubs, and he liked Chicago, you know, he's a he's a big part of their batting order. So I don't know where the Cubs feel on Bellinger, if they're going to try to keep him. But there's a good left-handed power hitter, good defensive player and center. I, I just I think sometimes you got to look at what you've got and say, I'm going to try to keep him instead of letting Bellinger walk and then invest in all that money in somebody else. Mets are interested in uh, Cody Bellinger. No, like you said, the Mets got the money. But I talked about this quite a bit on the show also, that if you're in the business, baseball's a business, big business. Don't ever think it's just a sport. It is major, big business. Wouldn't you agree to that? And... If I'm an owner, I'm going to get into spending with everybody else. Otherwise, you're not go- you're just not going to win. I mean, it's a, it's a miracle that the Tampa Bay Rays have won as much as they have. Or Pittsburgh Pirates, teams that's simply not going to put up a big salary. And if you're an owner, you you almost have to get into business or get out. If you want to be a perennial Loser or person that always finishes third and are happy to finish third in a division, well, you can make money as an owner, but if you don't spend it, put it back in your business, I think that works for any business. You have to invest in it, keep it going, put more money in it. And I think a lot of times we get some of that fuzzy math on teams like the Cardinals, how much they actually make in a year, and stuff like that. I, I, don't, I don't believe that no more, and I believe it's raining outside right now. So I think most owners make money in baseball, especially. They all make money or they wouldn't be in it. They, well, I don't know about that. I think some people could afford your Steinbrenners and, and your Cones and people like that, they could afford to be in business and lose money just because they want They got the ego. You know, they want. They just want to own something and be in the limelight. But you got to make money. And you can, you can invest in that ball club to the point of an, Aaron Judge or, you know, look at Aaron Rodgers with the Jets. Look how much money they put in his lap. Now, football is a little different. I don't know how much of the regular season money he got, but I guess with an injury, he probably gets it all. It's all guaranteed. Yeah. What is it, $40 million a year they paid him? 
I think it's closer to forty-eight million. Yeah, so we're pushing fifty million for a guy to stand on the sidelines and root for his team. I think he made three snaps in the game when he went down. Now there's rumors that he could come back this year. You know, there's no way he should come back or maybe can't come back. Now, Trevor Lawrence, as bad as it looked, you remember how bad that looked on that ankle roll, high ankle sprain? He was practicing with the team yesterday. He's He's not out for this Sunday yet. But a valuable piece of property like him, I, if I was coach, I doubt if I'd play him next game, maybe two weeks from now. Because he's, he's a guy that could be your franchise player. All right, Rodgers' original deal was two years, $75 million with the Jets. So I was close. And then he him. asked him to rework the contract. That made news. I think a guy could live comfortable on forty million a year. I don't make that much, and I don't think you do either. But uh, I think a million a year, I could live on that. Rick Weezer chimes in. He said, uh, "Tell Jess I personally know there are at least twenty nine listeners to this program." <laughs> Rick, you can't count yourself twice. <laughs> uh, the he is a great guy. I always liked him. Great family. I don't know if you ever met his brother. But they... Good family. So the... Athletic kind of broke down some of the numbers for some of the Japanese pitchers and they are saying a conservative guess for Yamamoto well we'll give it to you when we come back timeouts on the sports huddle a big NFL weekend and the Sunday night game could it decide who's going to be the number one seed in the NFC we'll talk more about it sports huddle It's the Sports Tunnel on CMO ESPN 1220-93.5 FM. And we're always online at CMOESPN.com. John Morosi reporting we could get a decision as early as today on Shohei Otani. Uh, we will not get anything on Yoshi Yamamoto before he meets with the Yankees on Monday, but um, they do not expect it to be a long decision process for Yamamoto. And Jason Stark of The Athletic, uh, he made name for himself when he was at ESPN, but he's with The Athletic, and he has documented uh, the original contracts coming over from Japan for some of these pitchers. Uh, the original pitcher that came from Japan was Daisuke Matsusaka and his original contract with the Red Sox, six years, $52 million. Yu Darvish's original contract when he came to the United States, six years, 126. 
Masahiro Tanaka with the Yankees, seven years, 155. And the estimates right now, at least Jason Stark saying uh, he is hearing eight years, 240. It could be elevated to 10 years, 300. And keep in mind, the largest contract, no pitcher this side of the Pacific has ever made more than a $250 million contract. One. And it's Garrett Cole, nine years, 324. The second highest contract ever given to a pitcher. Regrettably, Steven Strasburg, $245 million. So if he makes more than $245 million, it will be the second largest contract ever to a pitcher in Major League history behind Garrett Cole, nine years, 324. And he's never thrown a pitch in major leagues. Five feet ten, twenty, yeah, four years old. But uh, was he about one seventy, one seventy five maybe? But no. he has never had arm problems. Yeah, um, but as I was talking to you off the air, most teams like a pitcher six two, six three, six four, because of maybe them working longer than a guy five ten. 5'11", 5'9", but Pedro Martinez was 5'10". Um, it happens. Um, Greg Maddox, six foot. There's a lot of pitchers that's not got the height, but they think that, you know, and I, I t- kind of agree that they may be able to go deeper in games consistently at, when they get older and stuff like that. I do agree with that. I would like to see him in a Cardinal uniform. The Cardinals have never even been mentioned. No, they won't get him. I'm I'm not talking about that. And right now, it just seems like all of the people that are following this, it's Mets Yankees. So Cohen went over there to meet with him personally, and he's meeting with the Yankees Monday. We have not heard he's meeting with any other team. Well, I think that the Mets are a lot stronger contender for him than people might think. When you mention Yankees, he's all the the Yankees are always the number one team you everybody thinks about. I think he's going to the Mets. I yeah. think Steve Cohen is going to outbid. I think, I, do, I, do, I think the Mets will bring him in because the Mets. If you look at last year, they were striving for pitchers, weren't they? Scherzer, Verlander. Always looking for they better They gave pitchers. those guys over $40 million <clears throat> per year. What was it, 43 I don't know Each. what it was. Each. And so for them to get a guy that's 26 years old. 25. And got those kind of numbers. Yep. I, I could see the Mets being a hard team to beat in that bidding. I, no I agree injury. with you. I think the Mets will get him. And no injury history like Scherzer and Verlander. Now, Scherzer hasn't had major injuries, but Verlander had Tommy John. Scherzer has just been, as he's gotten older, he's had these nagging injuries, but he has never had major, well, he's never had Tommy John. I mean, he's never had major surgery, which is why that contract that he got from the Washington Nationals, people will reference as that is the absolute best big dollar contract to any player ever because he delivered on that contract. And 
I don't know how quietly it was, but the Arizona Diamondbacks showed everybody, hey, they got Eduardo Rodriguez, the free agent lefty who was opted out of his final three years with the Detroit Tigers. Four years, $80 million. Well, that might be a good contract and he's a very for the Diamondbacks. Good pitcher. You know what? In today's market, that may be a a good investment. You're talking so, but you know, we talk such big numbers. It's hard for me to fathom a guy getting forty, fifty million dollars a season. You break that down, it's 162 games, and how much he makes when he walks out there on the field. You know, two hundred fifty thousand every game he plays. A pitcher, thirty four starts, and just think of this a minute: thirty four starts. If he's a complete season and he doesn't get injured, and he makes every start, thirty four is about it. Don't you agree? Thirty four starts will be about a major league pitcher is all he gets in the regular season. I think. Miles Michaelis led the big leagues last year in starts with 35. If you make make 35 million, make, make it 10 million to start. If you make, yeah. How much do you say? 35, 35, 34 starts would be a million a year at 34 million dollar contract. Correct. But these guys are getting more than that. So they're getting like a million. Oh, I said 10 million. Yeah. 400,000. Mil- million a start. Uh, just like he, he get people that make that much money to get $1 million every time they walk out there on the field to pitch a game. Now that counts every game you lose. You go out there and have a 12 and 10 record and you still get million dollars for every start you made or more than that maybe a million four that's ridiculous i don't care what the market calls for it's too much it's gotten i think it's gotten out of hand you know the money spent for big league players period the only one that's got any brains or any sense about it is hockey if you make six million a year, you're probably the best team on, best guy on the team. The baseball does really have a ceiling on how much you can pay. They do have the luxury tax. If your ball club goes over so much, I don't know what point there is, two hundred ten million or twenty million or something like that, as a team on salary for the year. If you go over that, or you go over the limit. As far as what you pay a player, I think there's luxury tax. And then that money is spread around to the league. That's a lot of money. It's ridiculous money. So the marquee football game this weekend, Jess, the Sunday night game on NBC, 720, Cowboys-Eagles. And Cowboys are... Nine and three, Eagles are ten and two. My favorite gotta be the Cowboys. And I don't anticipate the 49ers losing another game and they've got three losses. 49ers, who are they playing? They host Seattle. So if the Cowboys win, they're still 
alive for the number one seed, but they would lose the head-to-head with San Francisco. And they split with the Eagles. If the Eagles lose, there is a very real possibility that they will not be the number one seed. And if San Francisco wins out, then they will be. But if you're Dallas, unless you catch the Eagles in the NFC East, you're a wild wild card. You're a wild card, which means you'll have to win three games on the road to get to the Super Bowl, including at Philly, at San Francisco. What do you think Dallas's chances are of winning at Philly and San Francisco to get to the Super Bowl? Um, No better than 50-50. I'd say like Dallas could have the better record that anybody in the American football conference, you know, Kansas City and those teams over there, they could have better record than anybody over there and still be a wild card Still be a wild card. San Francisco is my bet to win the best record in the National Football League. Yeah, if I was laying money, I'm going to – I'm betting it on San Francisco yeah. to be the one seed. Yeah, I am too. Dallas yeah. is a three-and-a-half-point favorite, by the way. Yeah, I think Dallas will beat Philly. And we've Especially got, in Dallas. We've got two Monday night games, and I'm not interested in either one of them. Did you watch any of the Pittsburgh game last night? No, not interested. Well, I wasn't either, and but I did tune in the last – quarter last six or eight minutes of the game 21 18 they lost Steelers lost we got to combine one touchdown in the second half of the game yeah they're on team two teams on the outside looking in I was I was hoping Pittsburgh win though because I still don't like the Patriots the Monday night games two of them Titans at Dolphins Titans are four and eight they are 0-6 on the road. That's garbage. Packers at Giants. The Giants are 4-8. and eight. They stink. Well, there's a little interest Packers, in the Packers, though, because... Well, Packers have a shot to make the postseason. Yeah, and Love is playing his best football ever in the NFL right now. I'm not interested in watching that game. Well, I might I might just see what the Packers are doing, because I think it's a team on the rise, especially if Love plays anywhere near the... The way he played against Kansas City in you know the last two or three games. Now, when the Bills come to Arrowhead on Sunday, they are a desperate team at six and six. And Josh Allen is the type of quarterback that can beat you. And so, the Chiefs in the last five games for the Chiefs. Now think about this: in the last five games for the Chiefs, they are averaging eighteen points per game. And why is that? That's a trend. That's They're, not a small sample size. It's side. not the five, running game. Five games. It's not the running game. The running game's okay. It's the pass receivers is why they're struggling. It's not Travis Kelsey. It's the wide receivers that are dropping balls. And, you know, we talked about this a week or so ago about the Chiefs lead the NFL and drop passes. At that time, it was 26 passes. And I'm talking about passes that hit you right in the chest or right in the hands that have been dropped. That's the reason why the Chiefs come back to not mediocrity. You'll never be that with 
as long as Mahomes is there as a quarterback. But they come back to the pack where they could lose to about anybody. And they're the really in danger of not having that home field advantage throughout the playoffs. They, You know, since Mahomes has been in there, he's never played a road playoff game. So huh, that can be different. If I was laying my money down... I would say this will be the year that he plays a road because 18 points a game is not going to get it. And if you are a Chiefs fan, which you and I are, I hate to say this, but I'm rooting for the Rams on Sunday. They play at the Baltimore Ravens. Right now, Baltimore 9-3. and three. Now, keep in mind, Baltimore, they still have to go on the road and play the San Francisco 49ers in two weeks. That would be a good game to watch. Going to be an excellent game. They get to host Miami. I mean, they've still got they've got to go to Jacksonville next week. I don't know what the status on Trevor Lawrence is going to be. No, so it's one thing. Baltimore's to to, still got some potential roadblocks. It's one thing to Trevor Lawrence to go to practice. I saw him on the field walking around, no limp and this and that. But that's just... That's walking. Totally different yeah. than backtracking and footwork as a quarterback. And so I doubt very seriously if he plays this week. I'd like to see him sit out this week and play next week. Is next week when they play the Ravens? So yeah. give the Chiefs a better chance for Jacksonville to win. And Miami, their remaining schedule, the first two, their next two games are Brutal, brutally easy. Tennessee and the Jets at home. Then they host Dallas. They're at Baltimore. They host Buffalo. Four of their final five games are in Miami. And it's going well, to come down it. to they Dolphins, Ravens, Chiefs for the number you know one what? They'll need those home games to play the competition they're playing. Exactly. All right, Jess, hello to the uh, radiant and ravishing Don Sean. She... Uh, we had the day off yesterday, and she is tuning into the show today. Hope she has a wonderful day. You got a uh, got a final weekend nugget for her? As always, I talked to Kim this morning, and I'll say hi to her and Michelle down in Texas, and Geneva right here in Cape. My boys, I'm going to let you go with this one. This is the weekender. This is new material. Everything in life is just for a while. This is written by Philip Dick. Here's one more real quick one. The best way out is always through. Robert Frost. I think you've heard that name. So be kind to somebody out there this week, you know, weekend. I mean... We're getting closer to Christmas, you can start practicing on your kindness and see if you can get develop it a little bit by Christmas because we need so much more of that in this world is a handshake, a smile, eye contact, and ask somebody. You know, I tried that at a gas pump the other day, and this guy didn't look too friendly just to look at him and Thought, well, we'll just see. And I walked up to him and asked him how his day was going, blah, blah, blah. blah and he responded, I, I bet 96, 97% of the people will respond to you if you're friendly and a smile. So try it out. See if I'm wrong. 
See if you can do that to 10 people in the next couple of weeks and see how many of them fail or won't. They'll slap y'all. Won't talk. And if you are uh, tuning in to our Chiefs broadcast on Sunday, you will hear the voice of Mitch Holtis. Holtis had to miss his first Chiefs game in 30 years, just his first game in 30 years last week because of COVID, but he is back and will be in the booth, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs coming up on Sunday. So that's good news. Pass that along in case you were wondering where Mitch Holtis was last week. Jess, we'll be back on Monday. We'll talk to you then. Well, I have a good trip, and let's hope the Red Hawks shoot the way they did the last game and walk out of there with a win. Let's hope so. Enjoy your weekend, everybody.